Good day, all. I'm uh, sitting down with Camden this week. Um, if you you were waiting for the episode to come out at 11 on Saturday, I'm actually a bit late, so it's uh, it's it's here now. So um, Camden has shared his life story, and it was a, an exciting ride. Um, not always positive, but you know, like the the outcome is uh, you know it is you know so. I don't want to spoil anything of our conversation, so I'm going to leave it at that. Um, one thing I want to remind you is that there's a Patreon. Um, it's uh, If you look for Cold Turkey, you're going to recognize the logo uh, if you look at, at patreon.com. And the rest is pretty much all the same, same old, same old. You know, share the podcast with your friends, share share the website. It's podcastcoldturkey.com. Um, there are plenty of ways to get the podcast known to your friends, buddies, family. Um, and so without further ado, here's Camden. Enjoy. Hey Camden, how you doing? I am doing good. Um, I do start my episodes for the past year pretty much the same. Like I'm gonna ask you kind of pretty much a twofold question. The first one being, in what region are you on this planet, and how has been the pandemic for you? So I am in Utah, in the U.S. And oh my gosh, the pandemic has been a mess. My whole life has basically just been created from the last year. Can you elaborate on that? Like everything that I've gone through has happened since just about a year ago. (laughs) So um, everything that can happen has happened at this point. It is crazy would you say it, that the pandemic was so was trigger was the trigger to all of that what happened or you know again we're gonna get um, there it but was the start of a lot of it like i was serving a mission for my church um and i got sent home a year and a half early because of the pandemic and so everything else that happened afterwards could have only happened had i come home wow and um, looking back, was it a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, that's so that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of good things that have come out of it. There's been some pretty bad stuff that's happened, too. Like, it's just like it's been really big learning experiences for me. But like, it's kind of hard to like say it's been good or bad. And you probably still, was, you're still into it's it. Only one thing. And I'm still in the middle of it all. Yeah. Um, as far as, you know, you said you're in Utah. Um, how, as you know, like in terms of kind of your, your neighborhood and, you know, like your region, how has it been to, you know, like going through the pandemic in your region? You know, because, you know, like I'm, I'm hearing all kinds of stuff, you know, like I'm probably in one of the strictier region um, of the people I, I sit down and record <laughs> with. Um, we, we still have, um, oh my God, I'm, a curfew 
Um, I, you know, like, I'm, oh, wow. And yeah, we still have a curfew. Um, it was eight o'clock and then it's nine 30 now. Woo. You know, like we're, oh, going, wow. we're going fucking crazy. Uh, but what part of the world are you in? I'm, in, I'm in Quebec, Canada. And you know, like we're probably in, in some, oh my gosh. yeah, I'm some in the strict to your region, but you know, like I, I wonder, um, so, you know, don't even get me started on masks and shit. You know, like they, 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 you know, like everyone going berserk around that, but, and I'm not anti-mask at all. I'm just saying that, you know, like it's, it seems a bit much and I'm always worried about, um, the, the mental and, and, and kind of, you know, like spiritual state of people, um, and bad shape of their, of their mental health outweighing, the measures that we're taking to, to, uh, you know, like to limit the spread of that, the, of that severe cold sickness that's around the world right now. So, um, that's why I'm asking the question, like how is Utah handling the uh, pandemic? Um, that's, that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of a toss up. Utah is opening up vaccine availability for all Utahns ages eight um ages 16 and older starting Wednesday the 24th of March so two days from now as of day of recording which is fantastic I have been waiting so long to get a vaccine um but it's really weird like it just gets to the point where a lot of the people down here don't really care anymore so there's no it's, measure? Like, um, masks are still a thing, but apparently they might stop being a thing, uh, like April 10th. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's not like we're doing amazing on numbers. Yeah. Um, like, like it's definitely, oh wow, like it's definitely gone down a lot. But still, like, it doesn't seem like it's enough to justify it. Yeah. Like, we've had 382,000 cases. In Utah alone. In Utah alone. Which is... But we've only 2,000 deaths. Wow. So you guys are in shape, for God's sake. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess that's why they're open they've opened up so much is just because we're such a younger age state that like it's just completely uh nonsensical. Um like 306,000 people I'm seeing about 10% of the population has already been vaccinated. Whew. That's that's and, 21.72% have received at least one dose. About 700,000 people. That's great. <clears throat> They're promising right now that by June 24th, um, everyone that wants the vaccine should have had their first dose. So it's June 24th, though. You know, like, so we're far off from a you know, a festival, <laughs> like, a, like a fest with people all over each other, you know, like it's, it's, you know, even, you know, like even an indoor show, you know, like I, I don't see how and when they're going to allow that here. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like it's so, <laughs> it's so weird. I don't understand. 
Yeah, I mean, like it again. You know, like I, I, I do ask that question because I, I get worried about, um, um, you know, like the the explosion of suicide and the explosion of overdoses and the explosion of relapses. Um, and I hear a lot of, you know, like really um, worrying stories around that. You know, like I, I do record, yeah. you know, like I record uh, um, twice a week and uh, I would say systematically every single time, you know, like people are just saying that, you know, like they hear people falling back into their old habits of using and, and, and uh, if it's not that, you know, like it's just be people worried about um, the, the, you know, kind of the state of mind of their, of their closest relatives or friends or, and, um, and yeah, you know, like it, it's always the same question. Like when will we realize that one may outweigh the other and, uh, what's the riskier, um, option you know, like the, is it the keeping people inside alone or, um, uh, taking that risk? Um, which is in some cases, you know, like as you, as you described, you know, like, uh, in the younger demo, it's, it's actually, um, it's actually less, I would say much less risk, um, of letting them, you know, letting them be and, and, uh, and yeah, you know, like, so, so that's always in the back of my mind when I ask that question. Yeah, no, it's, it's a big thing. I, I just get to the point where sometimes I just fully just shut it out of my brain. Oh, you have to. You know, like it's, it's a cause, you know, like you, yeah, I it used to take over and now I'm just like, I just pretend it doesn't exist. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, like at the beginning, you know, like it was like 24 newscasts, 24 hour newscasts, just playing in the background of the, on the TV. And I remember just, just shutting this down, you know, like say, no, 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 we need to stop listening to that. You know, like we're, we're going to go crazy, you know, so it's too much. Um, <clears throat> All right, back to regular program. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm I I usually uh, ask my guests, um, and I'm going to do the same with you, Camden. But um, if we can just rewind your life story tape and bring me back to um, kind of the first event, event that, that that are defining for you in your life story. Um, when you know, like when when it's substance abuse, when it you know, like whatever it is, sometimes it's um, your own experience and sometimes your witness or, or you're impacted by someone else's experience that has been significant in your life story. So bring me back there. Yeah. So the biggest part that kind of started everything, like I said before, was when I went home from my mission in California, back to Utah, um, I started dating Pretty soon afterwards, I mean, like, I know, like, even during a pandemic, whatever, but like, Utah's numbers weren't too bad. Um, it was a lot of online talking. But it was the first time in my life I'd ever decided to, like, try dating guys. And so that was really big, and it ended up leading to me pretty remarkably quickly within a month or so getting engaged. Wow. 
So, okay, um, just uh, yeah, I'm gonna like, pause. I'm gonna pause the tape here. <laughs> oh no, kidding! <laughs> there's the there's a there's a ton of information all in one right there. Um, I know that's the whole <laughs> thing. Like that's nothing. That's tip of that's the iceberg. The slowest it gets. Well, if if the intro of that book. I mean, that's a lot, you know, like you, you, you're, you're putting the bar high here, Camden. Um, uh, so, okay. So there's a few things in there. Um, the first one is your, the mission. Um, I, I, yes. I, I want to know, you know, like, you know, like what's your, what, what was your, um, kind of upbringing like, um, and you know, like, can you describe to me, you know, like kind of the religious uh, beliefs that, you know, like was, I guess it was brought up with your, your upbringing, um, Can you, can you just help me with that? You know, like just figure out, um, absolutely. Where does that come from? Always been such a huge part of my life. Like it's like my family's always been super religious. Um, my family has been members of the church since like birth for (laughs) hundreds of years at this point. Like it's just so ingrained into our family which is crazy but like for us to have just been a part of something like that for so long um it's where i got a lot of my values from and it's what made me have to wait so long before i ended up dating because it's just like i had to try to figure out where my own values were and what was okay and what wasn't and one of the things I learned from all of this is that sometimes you literally just have to go and do it and figure it out. Would you say that um, there were, you know, like values in, in those religious, be- religious belief that um, kept you from being yourself? Um, so... It was really weird because I didn't know what my sexuality was um, until like near the end of high school. It just didn't manifest itself. So it was really unique in the fact that like I didn't really have to struggle too much with it. It was mostly just like nobody knew about it when I finally figured it out. And so I was trying to figure out what's okay. Like, is it okay to even have those feelings or like, like there's just so many questions that I ended up having that I had to try to figure out on my own because there wasn't really many resources out there. And you mean at the, at the church big, but like, like both in the church and like other places, like it's just, there wasn't, much on like what is okay or like because it's just like you can't control the feelings that you have yeah and that's the hardest part it's just like sure like you can want something all you want but <laughs> like i can want to be straight for with everything in my soul but that's not who i am yeah and <clears throat> did i could never feel good like dating a woman because I know that I don't have the same kind of love that I would with like a guy. 
And so I wouldn't want to like take that ability for somebody to feel all of the different kinds of love like they would in a relationship where they were actually attracted in every kind of way. Were you, was there um, like guidance in what um, typical couple would be in, in kind of the religious um, guidance? I mean, all I could ever find was like a man and a woman. And that was frustrating. For sure. No doubt. I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I'm just like, cool. It's not like, oh, yeah, here's what to do if you like are attracted to the same sex. Like, it's not really out there. And so would you? Okay, fine. If you can't let me do this, like. Um, what am I supposed to do with these feelings? Like, am I just supposed to shove them down and hide them? Am I supposed to be celibate my whole life? Like, there were so many questions. Have you tried dating girls? I have. It has never worked out. Um, the only ones that were ever interested weren't really interested. They were lesbians. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I only found out afterwards. I didn't realize they were pity dates. I thought they were like actually interested, but no. Never got so much as like a first date with any of the like I mean a first kiss or anything. Like they weren't even things I could consider dates, and there was never a date too. Which is which is just you know, like um almost like um it's it's fascinating, you know, like you know, because I guess these girls were going through the same um kind of you know like just brain melting thinking all the time as you did yeah and i mean like they were really my only friends at that point in my life so it was just like okay like i'm sure this is a thing and i mean how was i supposed to know what it felt like being attracted to somebody i just assumed not having attractions is how straight people felt <laughs> Was there really uh, <clears throat> not having developed any kind of romantic feelings towards anything? Like I just thought, okay, this is what normal people feel like. Like I didn't know any different. Like what am I supposed to and think? I'm, and so I'm just like, of course I thought I was straight. Like why wouldn't I? And like 95% of the population apparently is straight. And I'm guessing that in your neighborhood there wasn't any other um gay people you would think but um at my school there was actually quite a lot in the community so i was getting exposed to it but i just like i just didn't have any kind of real feelings for forever and there wasn't a real explanation it just took way longer than it takes most people to develop those kind of feelings. And I, um, and and you're I you're actually what I was looking for and it was so taboo like I never would have even considered it. Exactly. You you know like you you were actually I've mean, just been taught my whole life it's disgusting and so I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. I didn't understand people that were gay or LGBT at all like it just didn't like those people. I <laughs> I was kind of homophobic. It was insane. Yeah, but do you develop some kind of aversion because you're being um, taught to... It's just how I was raised. That's yeah. how culture yeah. is Yeah, everywhere around me. Whew. I mean, at least at that point. So, like, 
I just thought that that was how life was. I don't know. So when it's so much to unpack when you, and, and quick question, any siblings, any, any brothers and sisters? Yes. I've got one brother. He's 16. And, um, and, and how about your parents? You know, like, did, did, you know, like, you know, like, did they share with you any, I don't know, like, were they worried? You know, like I, my guess is that, you know, like parents have like a sixth sense for, for these things. You know, like, even though, you know, like the, some will, re, well, the, many react differently. And that's, that's later on down this timeline, quite frankly. Okay. Like we could go down for, oof. no, like, I mean, like I said, after I got engaged, like there was so much stuff that happened, but they didn't find out for months afterwards. Hmm that I was gay. They had no idea. They, they, no, no one in my family had any clue. Wow. Um, so you leave on that mission still with your brain, uh, a bit fogged of, you know, like not understanding what's going on with you. Yeah. Like I had been, I downloaded dating apps and tried them before I left on my mission. Cause I just wanted to see like what it felt like, but I never was brave enough to actually go on a date beforehand. Yeah. And it got close to when I was leaving and I was almost ready to, my reasoning was I didn't want to end up calling my assigned companion, like babe or something by accident all the time. Cause I mean, you're stuck with another guy 24 hours a day. Yeah. Who was definitely not gay. <laughs> On top of it. <laughs> and you live with this person. You don't sleep in the same bed. But basically at this point, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty close to each other. You do everything together. It's a lot of proximity. I, it's, it's a lot of proximity. I was never attracted to any of my companions. Um, but... Like, it's just like one of those things where it's like, I know I would have ended up slipping up and like, it would have been so awkward. Well, plus I'm not ready to tell people I'm gay. I can't like just go up and like, <laughs> I, I'm guessing that when you left for your mission, not only weren't you ready, but I guess even on your self identification wasn't, wasn't you, you weren't there yet. Right. Yeah. Like I, I was still kind of struggling with it. Um, I hadn't told anybody before I left that I was gay. I, the first time I ever came out to anyone was in December of 2019. Who did you say? Who did you tell? I don't know if you've seen my profile pictures, but it's kind of obvious now that I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and you know, like there's like you saw me earlier today. Like I have rainbow hair. Yeah. Like, I... There's pretty much. <clears throat> Well, there's questioning there. <laughs> there. There's definitely, um, you know, there's definitely a sense of emancipation. You know, like like, like we, we saw each other for a few minutes because you know, like for people listening, I, I shut the camera off just for the sake of keeping the audio quality at best. But um, I definitely had a sense of um, emancipation. You know, like of freedom. Um, cause if, yeah, if, if no if, kidding. I mean, you know, like that's a bold statement when you were at where those hairs, you know, like, because even people that don't know you, um, you actually, um, they know, 
you know, like yeah. so, so it's, it's a bold statement and, you know, like I, 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 you know, like I tip my hat to that, you know, like I, I'm, I'm. It's the first time I dyed my hair. That's. I'm just like, I can't choose a color. Let's do all of them. Kudos, man. Kudos. I looked up online to see if that was a thing that people had done and people have done it. And I'm like, okay, this is super cool. Actually, let's do this. Awesome. And, and you know what, you know, like I, I, I definitely, um, respect that, you know, like it's, 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 uh, again, you know, like it's, it's just a bold statement and, you know, like, um, even in 2021, um, I, you know, like I have, I have, well, the, the godfathers of my, of my son are actually a, a gay couple married since over 10 years now, uh, you know, like they've adopted a son and, um, and still in and still in 2021 i mean um this is still something that um you know like i know for a fact that you know like to to um to dye your hair like you did it's um it's almost like um it's it's almost taking a risk and and you know i i despise the fact that i have to say that but you know like it's um I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, again, you know, like I, I do respect and, 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 uh, appreciate that big time. Um, so you leave for LA, what was the mission for? What was the mission about? So it was just to kind of help people find Jesus Christ in their lives and to help get closer to God, you know, just trying to really develop that relationship, help them find something to hope for. How do you do that on a day-to-day basis? Because I, I'm, I'm really far away from that. I kind of don't know about this. Oh, for sure. No, there's a lot of people that don't. It's, it's a big thing. You just see the Mormon missionaries with their little name tags knocking on your door all the time. And everyone's like, I don't know how this works, but go away. <laughs> yeah. Or the Jehovah's, you know, like, so, so it's, yeah. um, how, how, how does it work? I mean, like, what's, what's your, you know, like, so you wake up and what do you do? I mean, yeah, sometimes we did knock on doors, but it honestly wasn't very common because it wasn't always horribly effective. I mean, but the, there was never like any monetary incentive to doing anything. In fact, we had to pay our way to be there. Um, a two-year mission would cost about $2,000. I mean, not $2,000, $10,000, my bad. Um, it would provide you with, I mean, everything you needed, including, like, a stipend of money for groceries and things, and they would take care of where you live, um, transportation, everything else. But it was still a really, really big investment but it was to show like you're really dedicated. Like the church itself didn't make any money off of those. They just had to also subsidize from other sources, but it was to try to make it so anybody could do it, but that you were really dedicated and you, cause it's a volunteer position. You're volunteering for two out. I mean, two years of your life just to help people. Um, you try to, look for service opportunities wherever we could just helping make people's lives easier. Um, sometimes we'd go visit people that previous groups had gone and seen. We'd end up teaching lessons sometimes. Um, 
Sometimes we'd just be walking to an appointment and we'd run into somebody on the street and we would just end up talking to them and helping them have a nice day. Just our whole goal was just to make the place better than when we left, when we first got there, you know? And that takes a lot of guts. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you have to wear your name badge on your chest. Like you, it's like the hair thing. Like you, you can't just go be invisible and just choose when you want to do things. You are full front and center, a representative of Jesus Christ. And that is your whole purpose for two years. You don't date. You don't have really access to social media or most of the world. You don't have access to the news. You don't have basically anything that would possibly distract you ever. That's crazy. That's only be able to talk with family twice a year. And now it's every week. But still, like, you really didn't have too much communication with anybody in the outside world. Wow. And it was really eye-opening being able to just be there in the moment. Because a lot of the times you just, you didn't realize everything you were missing just by being in with everything. Like, you didn't, like, not having a job, not doing anything except doing this it just it changed perspectives on a lot of things changes how you view people and then you don't people as much anymore everybody's got problems everybody's trying to get better well most everybody and there's always those few people that are that's for sure unfortunately sometimes in some cases but there's nothing you can do about it. If somebody doesn't want to get help, that's their choice. It's what they've been given. They have that option. But I mean, it's amazing to see people's transformations of just being able to find themselves, find joy and hope in something. And I lived for that. I loved the six months I was able to be there. Even though I couldn't stay the full two years, um, I was in California, and so they had a government shutdown, stay-at-home order at the beginning of March of 2020. And I was going cabin fever crazy. Like, I couldn't figure out how to do stuff. We had just started teaching in that area. So we were so new to everything. We didn't really have anybody that we were really working with or doing anything and we weren't allowed to go see anybody because of the shutdown there was just so much stuff that was completely changed one of the missionaries that we lived with had only been out in the field for a week when the covid shutdown and everything else happened you got to go to church one time And, and my gosh, would that be a crazy first week when no one knows what they're doing? And we're just trying to figure out how to be useful when all we've got is our limited internet resources. Um, like we had access to Facebook, 
now in some areas they have access to things like Instagram. Um, because I mean, that was something I was pushing for for a long time because it's where all the younger people are at. Like, you're not going to find them on Facebook. So many people I was teaching before my mission on Instagram. Hmm. And I'm like, cool, I have to leave these people now, I guess. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and so when, when you're sent back home, um, I guess, you know, like you, you, you get a lot of time to think and that's when yeah. everything is, yeah. everything is at the fan. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, so once I got home, because I was sent home technically for mental health reasons related to all of it, uh, my plan was to go onto a service mission, which was kind of like a mission, except you got to do it from home. And it was mostly service oriented instead of teaching oriented. So you would help volunteer places, but you would live at home with family and things. Um, you wouldn't have like a companion or anything. You just go out and do stuff. But I got put in the performing arts department, which is what I'd wanted for so long. And there was nothing to do because COVID was a thing. And I didn't even get that until uh, about, let's see, two months after I got back home. Because they were spending so much time recalling 20,000 of the total 60,000 missionaries that were out to go home. Wow. Which is insane. That's crazy. Like, they sent home everyone that was that was in a country that wasn't their home country. Everybody that had life threatening things that would make them more susceptible to COVID, like asthma or old age. Um, so like they sent a ton of people home really quickly. <laughs> but I mean, in that interim, like there was there was a lot I had to try to figure out, like, am I really going to go out and do a service mission, which I ended up doing for like two months, which was really only like eight days <laughs> of actual things I did. Um, what my dating life was going to be, because I had a weird in-between place where I was kind of allowed to date and kind of not when I those two months, I was absolutely allowed to date. Um, and then it was a weird in-between place. But I don't know, there was a lot of things to try to think about, like all of a sudden I had to buy a car and like think about, OK, uh, am I starting college soon now? Because <laughs> I almost started college in August of last year, and now I'm starting it this year. Can you can you tell me, you know, like kind of, you know, like what happened or what was the trigger for you to have the, you know, like to, to build up the courage to, to, you know, like to, to meet with someone that, you know, like you, you were attracted to and to, you know, like kind of push that, that, you know, like that, that next step to yeah. that, you know, like to that um, discovering of yourself actually. 
about I had known for about a year that I was gay before that point. Um maybe a year and a half. And like I said, I've been on those apps so many times. The first guy I ended up dating was somebody that I had met before the mission online and who I honestly had like very little interest in beforehand. But then I, because I was so lonely all of the time, I had really no one to talk to. Just because I'm not great at making friends. Um, I decided to start reaching out to him. Like the day I got back, I told him I was back. And so, I mean, it it was slow, but I eventually got up the courage to accept his offer to go on a date. Which took, I mean, it took a few weeks for sure. And thankfully, I had the buffer of being forced to self-quarantine because I had traveled in the U.S. <laughs> so I had two weeks self-quarantine and then a little bit later I ended up dating this guy and a couple others. He wasn't the person that I ended up getting engaged to. Things might have been a little bit better if he had been the one. How was that first meeting? I mean, like you must be. I mean, must... it was it was so nice. I I wasn't expecting it to be as nice as it was. I mean, you must have been freaking nervous. I was scared. I was so terrified. For sure. Like I said, like my parents didn't know. Nobody knew. Nobody knew I was gay except for two people on the entire planet. <sighs> And anybody that happened to see my profile online. But that wasn't very many people, and they weren't people that were part of my life. So it was scary because it's like, I don't know if somebody's going to see if something's going to happen, if my parents are going to find out through somebody else. I didn't know how they were going to react to everything. So it was kind of like scary. We ended up just kind of driving and hanging out in his car and talking because that's really all I could feel comfortable doing. Um, yeah, it ended up being my first kiss, too. Uh-oh, what was that like? Uh, it felt way better than I was expecting, quite frankly. <laughs> I just thought like I would hate it, and that was one of the other hopes, is that I would go on a date and hate it, and then I could just be straight and forget everything happened. I could move on. And that didn't happen. And I'm like, okay, but maybe I'll kiss somebody and I won't like it and we can go and move on. And that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like that. Clearly. Like a, um, was it like a shock or you know, like, what, you know, like. I mean, it was my first kiss ever too. So it was a big, big thing. Um, it was a little bit of a shock. I was surprised about how nice it felt. It just felt. I don't know, like, it was a kind of love I'd never felt before, and it is amazing. And I don't know how I would feel I would have felt if I had kissed a girl before. Might have just been really weird and awkward. It's like, what is this? Why are we doing this with our lips kind of thing? 
It just doesn't feel natural. I can't imagine myself doing that now. That's um, for sure. I mean, you must have, <laughs> you know, like, that must have been something. Yeah. Um, I think that same week I went on like three or four different dates. Cause, cause got a, I got really addicted to it. And not only that, I mean, like, it's just I didn't care about it in high school. Like when I was dating girls, like I didn't have any connection to anybody. Nobody wanted to go on a second date and it just was super awkward. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what the hype is about. Like I can live without dating. Mm. I'm like, I dated guys. I'm like, okay, I can't live without dating. <laughs> so I basically tried my very hardest to make it so that I always end up having somebody that I go see in a given week. Which is a lot. It's way too much pressure on myself, but I just. That's kind of where the addiction part comes in, because I just once I had it, I couldn't live without it anymore. And it was like a enough because I'd been so deprived of my own kind of love language stuff that I <laughs> once I got it just even a little taste of it I I couldn't go back how um how does that develop to getting engaged in so a few guys later, me trying various types of things, just seeing what's out there. I dated that first person for about a month until I met who would soon become my ex, not only my ex fiance, but my ex spouse. Because, yeah, we ended up getting married, which, holy cow, that was a bad idea. Um... It was a really big Romeo Juliet moment for the first few months, for sure. Um, something I definitely don't recommend is getting engaged in three days. Um, yeah, I think I met him on a like I actually met him in person for the first time on a Friday and then that Tuesday we were engaged. Wow. Like it was way too fast. And that was when we had like an actual like ring that we had put together. Like we'd already talked about it a little bit beforehand. But the reason why I got jumped in was because I felt something incredible with him that I hadn't felt with anybody else yet. And it was something that I was more than okay with having for like possibly the rest of my life. I loved the person that I had met everything that he had showed me and continued to show me for at least the first month, if not further on was like exactly what I wanted. He was able to give me all the attention I needed. I got to see him all the time. Was it a way Camden to slow you down? Like I don't, 
Yeah, like, in a way, it was slowing me. Like, I kind of, but, like, I mean, everything moved really fast, but I got to do it with one person. I got to experience everything with that one person. Like, in its own time. But it helped me focus on something, but it also gave me, like, a friend, because I didn't really have any. And so being able to just spend time with somebody, especially when I'm in such a big house and I barely see people that I live with, like, it's a three-story house and there's four people in it. And they're always off doing their own thing. So, like, I don't even really see them at all throughout the day. I'm moving into an apartment with some roommates so that I can see humans more often. Which is crazy. Like, I can't see people as often when there's more people in the house than the place I'm going. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I just... I love being with people. That's how I get my energy. That's how I don't feel like alone. I can't just stay cooped up by myself for a horribly long amounts of time. And those dating apps allowed me to feel like I had friends and people that actually cared about me. That's why I kept coming back to them. I never ended up catfishing anyone or anything, but it just... I got that same kind of high. And you actually get engaged. You, uh, I guess you get married. Yeah, I got engaged in April, I believe. Yeah, like April of last year, 2020. Um, we dated for about four months in there, but in the in between all of that, I would find out about the end of May that the person I had engaged to, who I thought was like very much like an active member of my same church, um, who followed all of the other guidelines besides all of the gay things, obviously, um, just who had like strong values. I found out that he got into a DUI and should have died. And that was a huge shock to me. And it should have been when I dropped him. Like that was the first big moment where I should have let him go. It was because he was hiding it from me. Yeah. Like I didn't have any idea that he was doing that. Like I, I, he, I just got a call one day and it's just like, hey, so I got into a really bad car accident. My car is totaled. Sorry, I can't be there today. So I drive over there. He's got his arm in a sling. Later that week, I see his car. It's been completely destroyed and smashed in. I don't know how he made it out of the car. There was a rollover, too. I think he was like three times the legal limit on alcohol. <laughs> Like 0 0.21, 0 0.24, something like that. Which is insane. It's literally the first time I ever hear that he drinks. Um, that apparently he also did weed. Um, he had he had cocaine in his car. And you didn't. The police. You didn't know anything about this. I didn't know any about thing about it. Months and months later, I would find out that his family knew about it. 
more than five months earlier and could have done something about it, but didn't. Because <sighs> they had considered putting him in rehab back the December previously. So that made me upset. I wasn't given that kind of information. Um, but the kind of person that I had seen in him, I wanted to give him that chance to, if that was something that he wanted to start over to try to get off of the alcohol and the drugs and everything else. Cause it was a miracle. He had done this crash at 3 AM in the middle of nowhere. So no one was hurt. No other cars or anything else impacted even on the road at that time. And I thought he was willing to do that, and I stuck with him. He somewhat on his own accord went to rehab pretty soon afterwards. I mean, it really had to do a lot with me and my first ex, that first person I ever dated, who became one of my best friends, um, basically insisting upon my ex-spouse that he go to rehab because they were going to make him do it anyway in court. And if he did it in person, it would look way better to the judge. You know, just like, not only that it would be the right thing to do, but like it would reduce any kind of sentence or anything else he could get from it. Um, so he went to rehab for a month and that was the hardest month of my life because I had gotten so attached to him. So used to seeing him basically every single day. And then I had no contact with him. And you were, pretty much in a symbiotic relation with him. Yeah, no, I absolutely was. I was really dependent on just him existing. We would text all day, like every day. He was just my best friend. And all of a sudden he's just gone and doesn't have access to the world almost at all. You can only contact on certain days. And gone out of, um, a lie he didn't share with you. He didn't expose to you. Exactly. So it was crazy. And so um, how long was that? It was so um, hard. How long it was, was that? It was a full month, basically, okay. of being in rehab. And I mean, eventually he ended up being able to talk a little bit more, but I would maybe be lucky to talk to him for like an hour every few days. Like maybe twice a week. And that would be the only communication I get from him. That's I would send letters because those were allowed, but he would never write back. Even when I provided the supplies, he never ended up writing back. And so when he comes out, when he, you know, like when he comes back from there, how does it go? Like he had, like he'd been struggling through rehab for, for, for a while. He, he wanted to quit a lot, but he ended up being successful and staying sober of everything for a while. And he seemed kind of proud of it. 
Like, so it was a big celebration when I picked him up from rehab because I was the one that picked him up from rehab. At the very least, that was my actually it was that was the whole plan. Um, they ended up not allowing it at the very end. After I'd already gotten there to pick him up. Oh, my gosh, I didn't even mention this. But like, his parents are also the worst. And the day before he went to rehab, we tried to help him escape his own parents' house. Um, because they were being really manipulative and controlling and kind of emotionally and otherwise abusive. So we had tried to get him out, and that was one of the scariest nights of my life because they didn't know, and I was just trying to help him pack up all of his stuff. I had things in my... What I should have done was just take his stuff first. And then I could have taken him, and it would have been totally fine. Um... But his parents found out basically as he was starting to leave and they got into a huge fight and it got really scary. The police got called. They were really aggressive. They forced him to stay the night. Um, even though he really didn't want to, it was 21. Like he was fully an adult make his own decisions and his parents would not let him and so when he leaves what? and get you know like so does he come back um to like when the police got called like he ended up going to a hospital for a crisis counseling wow and so i ended up going down there too eventually after my friend helped pick me up from the gas station because i just tried to escape they had chased me out of the house basically with the intent to kill me honestly like it was they were crazy so aggressive i didn't even get my i had helped by bringing my own suitcases and i wasn't able to get those back for weeks It was, <laughs> I was too afraid to go back to his house. But when I got to the hospital, like, I basically was able to talk to him for like a minute. And my other friend got to talk to him for a minute. And then his mom found out where he was, which she shouldn't have been able to do. But he had texted his sister where he was, and his sister had told his mom. So she had found him, and she was trying to pick him up when our like backup plan was, okay, we can pick him up and take him home from the hospital and keep him safe because she doesn't know where my friend lives. And so he can at least be protected. But she ended up doing some huge sob story, getting the hospital favor over and getting to take him home 
So it almost felt like it was all for nothing. Like, I had some pretty bad in-laws. That's crazy. Like, it's just, there were so many crazy things with this relationship. I would also find out that he was about $8,000 to $10,000 in debt without ever having gone to school. Just having bought things out of depression, like really expensive things he didn't need, like a 4K monitor, a custom-built PC, 4K flat-screen TV, soundbar, like all this stuff that he didn't need. It was a problem that didn't go away even after marriage. But again, he was really, he was emotionally manipulative. And so he was able to convince me pretty easily that he wanted to get better. And there were spurts where he got better and he was improving. And I don't know if it was honest attempts to improve or him trying to just make a show so I would leave him alone for a little bit. But, I mean, that's why I ended up marrying him because he still seemed like a good guy. He still <laughs> was such a great person to me. He made me really happy, even with all of his problems, even with the depression and suicidal ideation, everything that he had, all these red flags. I didn't care because he cared about me. I cared about him. And he was still one of the nicest people that had ever had a relationship with me. And I wanted to make it work. My parents found out I was gay in May when they found me and my ex cuddling on my bed. So that was really awkward. Um, but the rest of family and society found out literally a week before my wedding. <laughs> How did they react to it? I mean, they were very supportive. Um, I didn't have anybody that wasn't supportive, which is really nice. I, I wasn't expecting it from any of them. I just was like, okay, I'm going to end up probably ostracizing half of my family and friends right now by putting this out there. And I didn't. I didn't lose anybody. Um, I was never treated differently by my family. Still the exact same. which was amazing. Um, it helped me just feel loved and accepted. And just like nothing had changed. The plan was not to announce that I was gay a week before my wedding, because the plan was that no one would know I was having a wedding. In all of this craziness, my brain also thought it would be a totally normal, fine idea to have a very Romeo Juliet-esque secret wedding with just the required amount of witnesses. My friend marrying, like literally being at the altar, marrying the two of us. 
like officiating um and that's it like we would just announce it later on after we had lived moved in together and did stuff um just had like a wedding reception of sorts afterwards maybe even a mock wedding and people wouldn't have gone oh my gosh you got married too soon and given us so much crap but at the same time that i had come out as gay uh, my parents, again, after quite a lot of missing signs, picked up on the fact that I had a nice shiny new ring on my wedding finger <laughs> that happened to pop off and roll onto the floor in front of them as we were talking and announcing our dating. It must have been weird. So, like they confronted me later that night because they're like, you were way too nervous to say that you were just dating somebody. What's the real story? Find out I'm gay. I mean, not that I'm gay. They already knew that, um, that I'm not only engaged, but getting married in about a week. Um, and they made it a real wedding. They insisted upon my inviting all of the family and friends and everybody I possibly could. We ended up having 60 people show up to this wedding on a one week or even in some cases one day notice. We had family members put together all sorts of decorations. Our wedding venue was literally a park in the city. At a gazebo, like not even a gazebo. It was just like a covered pavilion. It was a covered pavilion. That's that was our wedding location inside the local park. But we had decorations shipped. We had like a cake. We had a wedding photographer. Who was somebody in my church. Who did it for free. We had it live streamed. That's crazy. It was crazy. That's like, hot. I didn't expect any of it to happen. It was so insane seeing, like, my grandparents on both sides show up. Like, both sides of my family showed up. Um, even some of his family who were very much opposed to him being gay and stuff ended up showing up. Like, his mom and dad even though his parents were divorced like both his mom and dad biologically came um that was incredible he had a really unsupportive set of grandparents who we never expected to show up that came we had a lot of support we had some good things going for us but we were also doing some really stupid things like, like, the problem is the one thing that happened that I wish they didn't find out about us having a wedding is because we fought on the way to the wedding. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful warning sign? Wow. We were arguing on the drive over to the wedding. 
and basically were like, okay, fine. I don't want to be married to you. Fine. Oh, crap. We have 60 people showing up to our wedding. Guess we're getting married anyway. And like, I just didn't have the balls for lack of a better term to just tell everyone who had just showed up on a week or less notice. Hey, by the way, um, actually, we changed our mind. We're not getting married. Yeah, like I had no. um, I've had nothing to go off of for that. Like, I've never experienced that. I've never even heard of anybody that just like cancels their wedding like on the wedding day with everyone there at the wedding. Like, what was it? I just felt trapped. Like, I was like, okay, I guess we're just going to go through with this and hope that things turn out. And uh, spoiler, they didn't. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, that happened. Uh, we ended up honeymooning very close to home because he needed to work at his old work location if he wanted to move down to where we were going to move and have a job. And we moved down to St. George for school, which is four hours away from home. That was a big point of contention, too, because he'd never been so far away from his family. I mean, I I almost say that I haven't, but I was on a mission for six months. So I have I was in California. It was. It's definitely more than four hours away. Um, but he hadn't ever done, dealt with that. And a lot of the stuff came from the fact that he couldn't like see his family as much anymore. But there were some pluses to marriage. Like, I I love being able to live with somebody to be able to come home and just have somebody there to cuddle and make things better. But that wasn't always the case. Like, like I said at the beginning, he was not only emotionally manipulative, like he would sometimes use suicidal ideation as an excuse sometimes threatening to cut himself or otherwise harm himself if I didn't do something or I didn't give him the attention that he needed like he would be super ungrateful for when I did things for him I ended up paying all of the bills out of my own pocket and savings even though I worked more than 40 hours a week like we were dirt poor. Um, he was using all of his money on who knows what. He wasn't really paying off his debt. Um, that was the agreement that if I paid for the house bills and stuff, he would pay off his debt so that he could be free of all of it. That definitely did not happen. He still has about the same amount of debt he had before, as far as I'm aware. And when did it um, blow up? When did it blow up? Well, just kind of been piling on and on and on. He'd had a couple relapses throughout those few months that we'd been together. Um, And the big moment where I finally had enough and I was like, we're getting divorced. I'm done. This is way too much. 
was a night where we were planning on, we were talking about our plans to see family the next week for Halloween. For some weird reason, that was his decision. He just was like, I want to see family for Halloween. It was like, not normally a family holiday, but whatever. He's autistic. Sure. Maybe that meant something extra to him. But he accidentally let slip in that, that he had plans to go drinking with friends during that time. Which was really big because we had already previously discussed and he had promised that he would not drink again. But he was already planning on breaking that. And so we got into a really big fight about it. And I guess he just hadn't had any sign of substances in so long that he finally snapped. And for the first and thankfully only time that I have been in a relationship with him, he was physically abusive and quite nearly killed me. And what did he yeah. almost choked me to death? He was punching. He was hurting. It was all completely out of context. There was no real trigger for anything. It just happened. It was terrifying because I never experienced that aspect of his life before. Like, I didn't know that was in his personality. I didn't know he could get that aggressive, especially at Mingy. And it terrified me. I ended up grabbing my laundry bag of freshly cleaned clothes and my laptop, and I booked it out of there. After a whole lot of fighting to get out and get free, and I drove to the local Walmart parking lot, which ironically was where he was working. Um, and I slept in the Walmart parking lot, which is the first time I ever slept in my car. And it was also one of the first days that it got cold. And I was only in a t-shirt and jeans. So I had to cover myself up in my own laundry to try to keep warm. Didn't really work that well. I couldn't sleep. Um, ended up, because COVID was still a thing, and this is November now, we had gotten married in August, so this is not looking very good. Um, 5 a.m. was when Walmart opened, and when 5 a.m. hit, I was in there, bought a coat that said medium on the hanger. Ended up being a triple XL. Didn't notice until it was morning. <laughs> I didn't care. I just needed something warm. And that's how I fell asleep. I ended up going back later that morning to my apartment to pick up my work uniform because I had work to go to. And I literally ended up doing a shift after that. I don't know why in the world I decided that, that was so important. I guess I was still just so afraid of losing my apartment, which doesn't make any sense. Like, who freaking cares? I was just abused. Like, what does it matter if I make money for one day? 
I just went through PTSD and the only thing I could think of was, crap, I can't be late to work and oh no, I don't have my work clothes. So I went back into that house with the person who had literally abused me the night before to pick up my clothes and did that work shift. I continued working there for a little bit longer. Um, that later the night after like after that long shift and everything else, I can't come home to him just to see if I can grab some last minute things before I head to a recently discovered family member's house who lives 10 minutes away. Um, I find like I come back and I find my then husband just crying in a corner, wailing about how he wishes he was dead because of how he acted the night before. And through his literal hours of doing that, the neighbors, I believe, upstairs heard what was going on and they called a welfare check. So I was surprised when a few hours later, the police came knocking at our door. Asking to check up on us because I hadn't called the police. He definitely hadn't called the police. But there they were and they talked to us and they found out what happened. And after an hour of basically interrogating us, splitting us off like to ask questions and stuff me mostly having to be outside in the cold um and thinking that i was the one that was going to be screwed in the relationship because my only fight way i could fight back in that fight was through my nails because my fists weren't doing anything weren't even like making any kind of impact. And so he had scratch marks all over his body. That was the only way I could escape his chokehold. But then finding out about all of this stuff meant an hour after the interrogations, he was the one taken away in handcuffs. So I watched somebody who I thought was the love of my life turned psychopath, taken away to the county jail for the night. I have so many mixed feelings. I was like, do I feel happy that he's gone or upset or alone? Or safe? Like he's gone, I guess, so I can sleep in my own apartment that I've been paying for for the last three, four months. But I don't know, like, was that worth it? I don't know. It was nice being safe, but it it was terrifying watching him get taken away in handcuffs and not knowing if I was going to see him again. If I wanted to see him again. Like, what am I supposed to do in that situation? I don't I don't know. I still don't know what the right thing to do was. 
Um, I kept a relationship with him afterwards way longer than I should have. We both moved out of that apartment after about a week from the incident because we couldn't afford it anymore. And I definitely didn't want to live with a person who would literally just physically abuse me. But apparently I was really okay with still being friends. <laughs> That's crazy. I know. I'm just like, I have no idea what I was thinking. I guess it was just so desperate and just so hoping that he would just be the person that I thought he was that I was willing to keep taking him back even when I shouldn't. And unfortunately we still did very not great things. Even after he had physically abused me, we still had sex. Because he just still had so much control over my life. Even after we had already filed divorce papers, he was still seeing me fairly often, still having sex with me in my own car. Controlling my dating life so that I couldn't see anybody else and that we would have to be exclusive. And I was just letting him trample all over me. And I mean, like, I'm not horribly common with divorces. I don't know how it works. I'm like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Sure. Like, I guess I can just date you. I don't know what I thought my end goal was going to be. Like, oh, I guess we're getting back together and getting married. Uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I have no idea what I thought the best case scenario was. But I'd still let it happen. And at the end of November, uh, a bunch of stressful things happened at once. And including working a job at Amazon and trying to figure out what kind of relationship to have with this person who seemed both so good and so awful at the same time. I'd spent so much of my life with longest relationship I'd ever had with somebody. Um, and I had the worst panic attack in my life. I was unable to talk. Shaking completely uncontrollably. Never experienced anything like that before in my life. And I got taken to the hospital for it. They then referred me to an actual psychiatric care center where I stayed for five days. It wasn't until that point that I had figured out all of the horrible things that he was doing and that I had like let him take control of my boundaries. I had let him trample all over me and control me even after he had done so many things to hurt me. And I was still letting him be a part of my life. And I just wasn't recognizing it until I was taking classes that went, look, here's these kind of people you don't want in your life. 
And that changed everything. Like, I can't believe that I went that long, but I am so grateful for that hospital visit because it opened up my eyes. And it made me become a more strong, more <laughs> firm person. I stopped letting myself be compromised, letting my values be compromised, letting myself have lower expectations and boundaries and letting crap people control my life. And I dropped him completely contact wise. I've barely talked to him since only for follow up divorce things and phone bill stuff and the very minimum that I can. Um, but I don't know. I learned a lot from that horrible nightmare of a relationship. I, even through the divorce, the divorce was a mess. Even when it was uncontested, there was somebody that was not correct in what they were doing. They were just trying to put off doing like filing people's divorce cases and stuff. They just didn't want to do work. And so my uncontested divorce, which should have taken maybe a month or two, took four months. It finally got finalized on Thursday. Should I say congratulations? I have no idea. <laughs> but only for the first time in my life, I don't have to worry about that one. He's still paying my phone bill. It's the only way he's paying me back for the $3,000 plus he owes me. From that relationship. Meaning I've spent probably over $6,000 just in the relationship alone. So that was mostly just his share of the rent and everything else. Didn't include like the gifts and things I gave him. Didn't include all of the gas. Everything else, because I was the one that always drove to him. Obviously, because you can't really drive with a suspended license and no car. Um, even still, November, December time, I found a new person to date. <laughs> Already, like, even through all of that, I was still trying to date people. Um, because that's what I needed. In my, I just needed someone to talk to. And I just lost the biggest person to talk to I had in my entire life. I'm like, I guess I have to date again because there's no way I can meet people when I'm not going to school. I'm not working. So I dated again and I dated a guy for four months. It was fantastic and is still my friend, but she broke up with me 
even though we had an engagement about a month back, he broke up with me at the beginning of this month. So I've been engaged twice. But at least this one was one where the guy was like an actually decent human being. Ironically, now that ex-fiance and my very first person I've ever dated are now dating. So who knows where that's going to go? But I don't know, like it's just it's been a life. That's basically where we're at right now. Like through all of this stuff, finally getting my life back together and finally getting up some savings. I'm definitely not going to be so lenient on whoever I end up dating next. I'm going to set some boundaries. That's going to be hard, but you know what? Whatever. I got to figure out what is and isn't okay, and I got to stick to it. I'm just a very fast relationship type person, so it's kind of hard to like go slow. Even if it's something that most people seem to agree that I need. That's helpful. Just other people telling me what I need in my own life. Um, Especially when they haven't figured out like what the heck. Like, they haven't gone through, like, anything, and they're just like, okay, yeah, I'm sure. I know exactly how to tell you how to move on and how to get through a divorce, even though I've been married happily to my one and only spouse for 20 years. That was basically all I got for months was just advice on how to (laughs) move on when I was already just trying to forget it. That was another reason why I had the relationships in the first place was because I wanted to just find someone else to make it all go away. But the only way that I could move forward with all of it was to find a new person who would actually treat me right. And while it helped it, I mean, I even now I'm out of that relationship and I'm still not fully over it. Like, I can't believe all this stuff happened to me within the last year. I don't even think I could possibly be married for another two years at least, and I've already been divorced. I mean, I've talked to people on my podcast about abuse, and I thought I could relate to them. But since I had never really experienced it myself at the point of that interview, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like everybody else that was just giving generic. Unuseful advice, because I thought it was helpful. (laughs) I just thought, okay, well, this is how this should be like you should. Do this, this will totally work. Like, I know exactly what you feel like when I'm like, no, I didn't. Like, it's it's crazy how something that seems so simple can be so amazingly complicated. 
That's how life is. It's how love is. Nothing is simple. If it was, we might actually know what we're doing with our lives. Yeah. But heck, at least I know I'm not going to date somebody that's going to be seriously in debt for like stupid, unnecessary things or with somebody that has gone through a lot of addictions and doesn't want to move past them. Like I'm cool with doing like having a relationship with somebody that has gone through the addictions and has like gotten through them and is continuing to persevere and trying their best to move forward. I don't have a problem with those people. I just have a problem with the people that say they want to try and they don't. And I mean, drugs and alcohol were a big red flag for me anyway. Like that was just, that was one of my uh, deal breakers and I let it slide because I thought I was attracted to him. I mean, I did a lot of things in that relationship that I regret. Because he was so controlling, he took my virginity away before I was ready. Um, like, he just got what he wanted a lot of the time. I have no idea what he's doing now with his life, and I don't care. I just hope he's not with anybody, or if he is, he's changed in a way that he's not the same person he used to be. That somebody else isn't having to go through the exact same thing I did. I have no idea what I'm going to do in two months when his court case for that whole night of fun and abuse ends up going through. That's when that's scheduled is May. Um, I don't know. Like, this is all just such new territory. I and nobody else I've talked to has experienced this stuff. So it's like I, there's no one to talk to about it. Um, I don't know. Well, that's a crazy story you have to, you have here. Um, yeah, just nuts. Um, I, you know, like I, I empathize for everything that happened. Um, it's just crazy. Um, you know, like I, I'd like to ask, you know, like, how are you doing today? Because <laughs> it's so, it's so recent. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm doing better. I'm doing a little better. I've got some medications I'm trying to figure out. I obviously I've figured out boundaries. I've just been able to be comfortable telling people no a lot more. I've stopped relationships from even starting 
because I've just been able to have the courage to tell people up front, hey, I don't think this is going to work. Or I'm not I don't feel any kind of attraction to you. I don't want to lead you on. Let's not really do anything. Like those were really hard things for me because I really hated letting people down. And so I mean, a lot of people have tried to take advantage of that. And I can't horribly blame them. I can't be entirely upset with my ex-spouse for doing the things he did because his parents were so terrible that, I mean, he didn't get to know much better. Like, there might be a little bit that he might have been able to know, but, like, as someone who's autistic, you... You learn from the people around you about how to behave, how to live, what's okay and what isn't. And so if the only experience you have is with people that physically and mentally, like emotionally, just every kind of abuse you can get. How is he supposed to know that that's not okay? That's not normal. And, you know, the, the pretty much the last question I got for you, Camden is where can people, you know, like, do you, do you, um, try to inspire others by sharing your story somewhere? Like, is there places where people can find you? Absolutely. I've been trying to share this for a, a little bit now because it's just, it needs to get out. And I know that there's not a lot of people talking about it. The closest thing I've got, besides a couple other episodes that I've been featured on with other podcast creators about the same story, which I mean, this is the most in-depth I've ever gone. Um, not only because these new things have happened as of the beginning of this month, but just in general, I've never been able to talk this far about it. Um, you probably won't find anything in those guest interviews but i do host my own podcast on happiness and trying to overcome trials and i've talked to people with all sorts of different things a lot of them that have experienced problems that i talked to before i ended up having those problems myself so every time i've ended up editing it has been a very timely message for whatever i've needed it's something that i need to hear and i know a lot of other people need to hear too Talked about divorce, abuse, <sighs> mental illness, just wanting to kill yourself, just living and raising special needs kids, being blind, people that have studied happiness for decades, that are PhDs, professors in psychology, just everything just to try to find happiness because that's what I've been trying to do for the last few years myself is trying to figure out how in the heck I can be happy in a world that's constantly falling apart. How can I find hope when all hope seems to be going and every time it pops up, it disappears. It's hard. And I try not to pretend to be an optimist anymore because it doesn't help anybody. I'm a lot happier in these episodes, but 
I wanted to make it real because quite frankly, addiction sucks wherever you're at. Pornography is a big one. A lot of people struggle, struggle with it. Even if they've been over it, like I've gone through it myself. Well, thankfully, it was not as much of a hold as it has been with many other people that I've known. Putting a lot of my exes. Um, but there is hope. However hard it may be to find it. There are people that have gone through what you've gone through. And they have gotten past it. And it's possible for you too, as well. And that's the whole message I try to share on my podcast, The Happiness Question. That's why I've loved your show so much, because it's trying to help show something that nobody talks about. Trying to bring awareness and comfort to those who are struggling Because there isn't as many resources as there should be. And so I applaud you for being able to take the time and having done your 131 episodes that have aired so far. Which is incredible. That's and you've really... been keeping up every week. Yeah. I haven't, haven't uploaded in probably a month because a lot of stuff has happened, but I'm hoping to get back into it. It's, um, uh, it's really appreciated. Really. Um, you know, like I, I, I make this, um, one of my top priority and, you know, like it helped me so much as much as I know it helped others. So, um, yes. Um, how, how long have you been doing it? Two years now, two years steady on twice a week. So, uh, a lot oh, of twice a week. I re I record twice a week. You know, so if I if I yes, want to, you, you know, you release once a week. God, I'm like, yeah. uh, my goodness, you used to record. Because if I want to leave for vacation or whatever, and I did twice a week for a while, but uh, yeah, you did. I'm looking at this. Wow, you kept it up for a long time. Yep. Up until like episode eighty or something. Exactly, and it, especially when Just, I started that's crazy. When I started recording, your episodes are so long. Yep. When I started recording in English, I wanted to have one French and one English episode for a while now. So, so yeah. Um, Camden, when can, where can people find you online um, to reach out to My you if they, you know, like if they want to I don't, absolutely. Like I don't sell anything right now. I don't make any money off of any of this. And that will probably be how it stays for the rest of my life. I've put so much money into it, but it's just to help people. That has been my new mission. As if I can't have the one that I had before, I can create something new. And so if this is the kind of thing that you're looking for, go ahead and find me at the happiness question, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm on all of the social media as at the happiness question. Um, it's where a lot of my things happen. Things got shut down a little bit because of some really crazy internet stuff, but we're hoping to start releasing again soon. 
when my life happens to have a break in it. <laughs> awesome. Cow, everything is just so busy. I've been working seven days a week. As an Easter bunny of all things. Wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, um, I just want to thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being open. Um, absolutely. I'm so glad to finally hear from you. I've been waiting for this podcast for a long time. <laughs> that's, that's appreciated. You know, like I just do, uh, yeah, I just do uh, pretty much this job and like, I, I mean, like I, I got a full-time job, but you know, like it's for me, it's, um, it, it brings me as much, if not more than it actually gives back, you know? So, so it's, um, it's a great experience for me, you know? Like, so I'm just appreciative of, you know, like people accepting to be part of it. And, um, I enjoy, I enjoy every minute of it. So it's, um, again, you know, like it's just, just, um, I acknowledge your, your, the way you were open, uh, to share your story and, um, and appreciate it. And thank you for that. And, um, and yeah, I just, I just wish you the best, uh, Camden, you know, like it's, uh, as I have my own life story that had is up and downs. Um, I can't tell you one thing, you know, like it gets better. It always does, you know? So, and you know, I could share shitty stuff that, um, <laughs> at some point, you know, like he, I could have never taught, you know, like, he, you know, like he comes a point where, you know, like either stop your car and parking and like the fuck and like will it ever stop you know i like, can it gets worse and anyways you know like it's just but you know like i'm i'm in a good place right now and you know um knock on wood you know like it's um it's gonna be stable for a while like that but um i am really in a good place and uh all i can say is you know overcoming all these stuff it gets better it just does um and so yeah you know like if it's uh you know, I, sometimes it's not necessarily about being optimistic, but uh, visualizing better days. And, you know, like it, it, well, it worked for me. You know, like I can't say it works, but it works for me. So thank you, Camden. I wish you the best. And, um, and everything, you know, like every link for the people listening, you know, like every link that Camden is going to share with me are, are going to be found in the description of the episode. So, um, yeah. Have a, have a good night, Camden. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. You too.